Hey guys, welcome to this week's episode of the Late Night Drives podcast. What a way to sort of round up and finish this crazy season. Uh we have Sukriti with us here today uh talking about this final epic battle that took place at Abu Dhabi. Uh hi Sukriti, welcome to the podcast once again. Hi. Uh before we get into the race, I would love to talk, take a minute to like step back and just talk about the weekend leading up to the race, right? Yeah. Uh it started off with the practice sessions. The Mercs were really strong through practice and you know it seemed like red bull didn't have an answer to their raw pace and that kind of played out during qualifying as well where uh, they had to actually give max a tow with uh, perez perez had to give max the tow to actually get him to a place where he was so far ahead what a team game they've played and the tactics have come out at the right time from them and it seems like the teamwork really worked out uh in this weekend i would say for sure particularly in qualifying um and yeah what are your thoughts on that i, I mean mercedes seemed to not like not have a response to that right yeah i was you know in the q3 run when perez went out ahead uh, and gave max the tow and moved aside uh, so uh, max had the benefit of uh, you know getting the slipstream and then like a clear path ahead yeah. um when they did that and he was like i think 3 tenths Uh, clear yeah. uh, of Hamilton I thought for sure on their second run in Q3 uh, Mercedes would do the same thing and send Bottas uh, out before Hamilton but they didn't and I cannot understand that I don't know if they thought that um because they had had such good Q1 and Q2 runs and you know they had the pace they would be able to uh, match that um time without a tow but when you're going into the title decider uh and everything's for the taking on the table how do you not just also take that tow yeah you, how do you not pull out all the stops right yeah. to do everything you can to get ahead i mean sure uh, verstappen and red bull were probably compromised in their strategy starting on the soft tire with verstappen slight lock up and him flat spotting the tire but eventually that didn't really matter right with the events of the race yeah. playing out the way they did uh but yeah i i did i i i think there's a lot of question marks as to why mercedes didn't do that uh i actually had a theory on uh the fact that it's perhaps the mercedes uh is a more uh, difficult car to, to follow. follow yeah uh and so like they felt that it would not work out in their benefit in that way but Yeah, I mean they should have tried it at least. Like at the end of the day, they they really should have tried it. I don't know. Um, also, if uh, you know, given that they knew Max was starting on the softs, they didn't want him starting in P two. You that that's a strong possibility. I mean, if you look at the start of the race, yeah. Uh, I mean, the soft tires didn't really help Max Verstappen. Him starting on pole didn't really help Max Verstappen. Exactly. Right? So. Yeah that that's a interesting point that I probably should have thought of but yeah I didn't think of that maybe they felt that uh, and anyway uh, I think the commentators through the weekend were saying uh, how the two positions are only 8 meters apart so did it really make that much of a difference no come the race no it didn't it didn't only because hamilton's reaction time was a tenth quicker quicker yeah, yeah that's the only reason why it didn't otherwise i mean if you just look back to uh, the last race and the multiple starts that we've had yeah it could be p3 that gets you a great start or it could be 
be one that gets you a great yeah. start, right? So, yeah, and and coming to the race, since we're talking about the start, I mean, Hamilton had a phenomenal getaway, right? Like, yeah. there's no like two uh, things about that, but. Verstappen in the last three races seems to struggle a little bit uh, to start. I think uh, in the last race he had uh, two in practice that sense practice starts. starts in quotation marks before he really nailed the third one. Uh, but yeah, I mean it was quite surprising to see him bog down like that, right? I think he was surprised himself in the post race. He said, "I had no idea what happened." He's twenty four. It's I. Th- think possibly the first time that he's been this close to winning a championship it's lewis's ninth tenth time being close to winning a championship i mean if you count the season by kimi one and the season by rosberg one but it could have been lewis right so i think it's also just nerves right sometimes they get to you yeah i i think uh, throughout he he's been saying that no he's like calm and collected and this not bothering him but I think we all heard how much it meant to him and how much emotion came out like on the last lap right after him winning. But yeah, again getting ahead of ourselves, right? Um I do want to uh mention since we started speaking about teamwork all season long we've spoken about the number 2 drivers in the various teams, right? Whether it's been Bottas, Perez, Sonoda, Sainz to a certain extent, Ricardo to a certain extent, uh Ocon to a certain extent right and it's been amazing for me to see how uh these so called number 2 drivers have reacted to being put in those boxes i mean throughout the season i think ocon uh if not outperforming alonso at least was at par with alonso uh sunoda sure at the end of the day he is a rookie yeah. right it is his rookie season He is a super young driver. He took time to get to grips with F1, but his last few performances in the last 3 races have been pretty exceptional. I mean, okay, uh he's not had luck go his way, but in qualifying and practice he's had the pace, right? And yeah, coming to like Bottas and Perez, all season long we've been talking about how Bottas has been the perfect number 2 and Perez has been kind of nowhere but when it mattered in this last race it was the complete opposite where Bottas just did not have the pace even in qualifying he qualified only like i think 6th he qualified and he was just nowhere in terms of pace uh, in the race and yeah Perez actually pulled out the, all the stops in helping his teammate and qualifying P4 and actually helping him out in the race as well so My question is where was Bottas in this? Um see I uh don't entirely agree in terms of where was um Bottas in this. Um uh, I think he could he have done a better job sure but you cannot expect the number 2 driver to be there every single week week in and week out if they are performing at that level every single week they're not going to be a number 2 driver. And the last 3 weekends Perez has not been there. I mean Perez has not been there for many many weekends, right? Like that, that's what I was yeah. trying to get at, right? So, um also at one point um Bottas was doing a fabulous job managing his tires and was running P3. There was this entire talk about okay, if Verstappen wants to pit again, he's going to come back in he he's going to have to come out right behind Bottas. Yeah. Uh so 
was he there yeah could he if he had had a better start would he have perhaps influenced the events of the race perhaps but given what happened given how this race went um perez held hamilton up for a lap that was some of the best defending that we've seen from perez some good hard racing between two drivers sure but did it matter sorry it didn't because at some point after that hamilton was 6 seconds clear of max yeah i mean i think throughout this race hamilton and even verstappen to a certain extent have kind of and and this was like a, almost like a summary of the season they've been a cut above the rest yeah. right and i mean in this race particularly hamilton had raw pace that nobody had an answer to i mean least of all red bull i mean christian honor came on the radio well michael masi did but uh, let's, let's get to that let's get to that in some time <laughs> I mean Christian Horner came with like uh, onto the radio with like uh, uh, 10 laps to go saying that only a miracle is going to actually help them win this championship because they didn't have an answer to Lewis's pace and like you mentioned I mean Perez helped again his teammate bring come back to almost a second of close uh, to Hamilton 1.8 yeah uh, and yeah Hamilton just pulled out that lead um, all over again and speaking of like um uh, number 2 drivers uh, and so on and so forth um you know you're saying sonoda has performed well in the last four races it's his rookie season but i just he has 32 points versus pierre gasly who has 110 that's an almost an 80 points difference yes it's his rookie season i completely understand that it's not gasly's rookie season i get that but somewhere i don't agree with the fact that um, Alonso and Ocon have they performed at the same level? Sure. Yeah. Uh, uh, Charles and Carlos have they performed at the same level? Sure. Um, Gasly and Sonoda next year maybe. So I see where you're coming from, no doubt about it. I, and my only point in bringing up Sonoda and Gasly was that in these last couple of races, Sonoda has probably shown the pace that we expect expected of him from the start. which was probably our unreasonable expectations to begin with right and and that was probably what uh caused that disappointment that okay he was just not that uh, that fast and and I think Gasly really outperformed the car to begin with yeah. uh but and it was probably due to Honda being so strong in these last few races that they were there for the the fighting of the 4 5 6 slot uh, which was not the case in the beginning of the season and it was it was Gasly's talent that was there um so i i get what you're trying to say but uh i i suppose what i was trying to get at was that he seems to have found something or some comfort level yeah and uh he seems to have rebounded from what was quite a terrible start to the season to be honest for sonoda um and yeah i i was just trying to say how key the number 2 drivers in quotation marks have been for even like the constructors championships right it is only because of bottas's consistency that hamilton uh, that mercedes won the constructor constructors championship and and red bull had to settle for second uh, even though um, you know uh, what happened in the race happened uh, i think red bull had to settle for second in the constructors uh, championship because they kept pitting uh, perez to take the fastest lap of hamilton because they wanted max to win the championship no matter what and if they really wanted to win the constructors championship somebody needs to tell them it's not by taking fastest lap 
Yeah, and it's not for having a number one and a number two driver, yeah. right? At the end of the day, you have to like give um, the you have to let your driver race to win. And I I think the message is very clear from very early on. He's racing to help his teammate. Yeah. And I don't think that that works, right? Uh, yeah. So. I I don't know if um, I agree with the number one number two bit. Yeah. Because very clearly Bottas, no matter what anybody says, is a number two driver at Mercedes. But um, I think the point is that Bottas's only role is not being a number two driver making Hamilton win. That's the difference versus I think Perez's uh, job description is do what you can to make Max win the championship. Um. And yeah. Speaking of Max versus Lewis. What a season from both drivers. I mean, they've been exceptional throughout. They've had their exceptional moments also of like being, uh, let's say, going out of bounds in terms of their defense of this uh, championship race. Uh, but rarely have we seen them make mistakes. They've been a cut above the rest uh, very clearly, especially in the last two races where they've pulled out. 20 30 second leads over like the rest of the pack right and given everything and the fact that they were level on points are we really surprised that this race ended the way it did could it have ended any different so i i said this um yesterday uh, as well while we were watching the race that in my opinion it does not matter how this championship ended Uh, there is no denying that both drivers deserved to win. There is no denying that. But if there had been no safety car and Hamilton uh, had won, um, Red Bull would have protested the turn, uh, the the lap one incident at turn uh, six. At turn six, yeah. they would have protested that. If uh, all the lap cars had been allowed and the safety car had continued. Red Bull would have protested the fact that the car ended with a safety car under yellow flags. Uh, the, the race ended with a safety car under yellow flags. Uh, if they hadn't allowed any of the lapped cars through, and Lewis won, Red Bull would have protested. Saying why didn't you let the lapped cars through? Yeah, so, I get that. I'm. Um, I I don't think there is uh, any conclusion to this battle that would have been satisfying, uh, even if uh, you know. There had been no safety car, and Max was chasing Lewis down, and he was within, say, you know, it was the last lap, and he was within two seconds, and they were giving it everything, and they actually came side by side. I don't know if there would have been an incident. So I don't think um, when you've had a season with such high stakes and so many ups and downs, I don't think there is. It's it's possible to have a. Satisfying conclusion for everybody, right? At the end of the day, for anybody also. At the end of the day, one driver wins, one driver loses, yeah. and, and uh, what happens happens. And and as much as the FIA over the last couple of races have uh, see, made it seem like their point of view is they don't want to get involved in the championship battle, they don't want to be the people deciding the championship battle. Ultimately, they are the ones that have decided the championship who wins this championship. Absolutely. So. I I do want to come back to the FIA in yeah. uh in, in like a minute time right but I I do want to sort of mention the strategies that we saw unfold uh in this Abu Dhabi Grand Prix uh first of all changes were made to the track uh which I think aided in uh at least the race being a little more exciting 
and traditionally we've seen Abu Dhabi being a, a one-stop train let's not mince words here and so it was almost refreshing to see uh, multiple um, pitch stops happening and different strategies playing out right uh, of course we mentioned earlier that the Red Bulls both drivers started on the soft tires versus the Mercedes both drivers started on the medium tires and that was the case throughout the field where certain teams uh, started on the softs and certain teams didn't and it was a mix of strategies and it was a mix of tire uh, uh, choices that resulted in uh, a pretty exciting race I think right and and speaking of strategy sorry my question and I'll come to my question which was do you think Mercedes was uh, slow in reacting or uh, as Helmut Marko put it was sleeping when the safety car periods or the yellow flags or the VSCs came out Look, I think Helmut Marko doesn't have enough experience uh, leading a race uh, or having a driver that leads a race. So um, You can't really say that considering Vettel <laughs> has won uh, four seasons. Uh, and Hamilton's won the Constructors eight seasons. <laughs> but anyway, I know Max has, uh, before like I get too much hate for like not knowing what I'm talking yeah, yeah. about, I know Max has led most, most of the races, yeah. this, uh, most of the laps this uh, season. Yes, yes I'm aware of it. Uh, but... Um, I uh, don't think he knows what he's talking about, Helmut Marco, in this instance. Uh, because um, when the yellow flags came out when Latifi crashed, um, I was one of the people screaming and crying, saying, okay, why, are they, why aren't they changing Hamilton's tyres? He needs better tyres to get through this. But there was a very valid point. If racing did not resume, he would give up track position to Mr. Red Bull. Yeah. Uh, Red Bull had nothing to lose literally nothing to lose they were running in p2 they were five seconds off they could not match hamilton's pace uh max needed to uh lap eight tenths of a second faster than hamilton in order to catch up with him and he wasn't able to it had gotten to a point where he needed more than a second a lap to be able to catch up so they had nothing to lose and uh that's the advantage being in p2 gives you yeah. Uh, Hamilton had that advantage in Russia yeah. uh, when Lando Norris was leading the race and uh, the weather was turning. Uh, he was in P2, he had nothing to lose, so he could go change his tyres. So I think I think that decision uh, to do something, to go for that pit stop is infinitely easier when you're in P2 than when you're uh, up in front. Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree with you there uh, where I think uh, Mercedes was playing the safer game and they needed to right at the end of the day they were the ones who were leading the championship and they would have definitely given that away uh, for sure uh, so yeah I, I completely agree with you there I, I just found it really interesting the way things uh, played out uh, towards the end where yeah Red Bull did take those chances and it paid off for them it, it really did and yeah, now let's come to why it paid off. For yeah, them. Uh, before we do, uh, do you want to uh, talk about the lap one uh, inci incident? Can we call it an incident? Look, I think that was a pure racing incident. I think it was a. Uh, uh, f first of all, for those who uh, may have missed that or forgotten about it, Verstappen uh, uh, had a poor start. Hamilton took the lead by the first corner quite comfortably. And uh, he seemed to have higher straight line speed on the higher high fuel loads. 
yeah he 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 could follow hamilton quite closely except by the time turn 6 came around hamilton had pulled out a slight gap and i personally felt that that uh, move by verstappen was a lunge and it was a very late lunge and i think hamilton did all he could to avoid contact because at the end of the day that would have meant ending his race or perhaps verstappen's race we don't know right yeah. so do i think verstappen pushed hamilton out yes perhaps uh do i think hamilton should have given the place back or should have been uh i don't know i don't think he should have given the place back because i feel like historically in this season in similar situations verstappen hasn't and he's gotten away with it so come the crux moment why should hamilton give that place back i mean even if he was given like a 5 second penalty for that he was comfortable enough to get that lead and the team was clearly telling him that yeah you pulled out a gap enough and we are happy with that i mean according to uh, the race directors he gave back whatever advantage he had after like going off track but uh, yeah I, i don't know if that's true honestly Yeah. I think it comes down to the FIA and what we were talking about earlier and what we should get into at yeah. some point yeah. which is the FIA not wanting to interfere. Yeah, so I think uh that given uh, uh I don't think Hamilton gave back his uh advantage because he kept his P1 position so in that sense should he have given the place back in my opinion yeah. Uh but I think the thing is that if you didn't penalize Max for turn 4 Brazil for going off the track uh and therefore keeping an advantage then on what basis are you going to give a penalty now so i so in that sense i don't know if the fia were playing a round of uh, karma and saying that oh you we did this hence we are doing this now to uh, to sort of balance things i don't know but it, it it sort of really didn't make sense to me how they could turn around and say he didn't have a lasting advantage but he naturally got away with it and Yeah, I think that's a result of things that have happened in the past in this season. Whether it's Brazil, whether I I, I can remember another instance of uh, uh, Verstappen really fighting. I think it was Silverstone before the crash, uh, where uh, uh, I think the lap previously yeah. they were fighting really hard, and and one driver was pushing the other driver off, or even um, uh, Spa with Perez and Norris, yeah. right? Uh, and them getting away, uh, Perez getting away with it uh, multiple times. He he fought with Leclerc as well. But he got penalized for Leclerc, but not for Norris. Norris got penalized. Norris got uh, for no reason. Like I, it's just been so uh, inconsistent. But yeah. I suppose uh, what the result of this first lap incident was that Sunoda could get by and make overtaking moves that he would have perhaps been penalized for otherwise in this race. uh because very clearly like the commentators at that point said yeah. that at least the FIA is being consistent in this one race you yeah. know as opposed to like a spa where yeah. they were really really inconsistent uh, about that um any idea what Pe- Perez had to retire I don't think they've come out and said specifically why he retired I'm genuinely not sure why he retired obviously there was a technical issue, issue yeah. because I mean, his engineer came and said, "Like retire the car," and yeah. Perez was 
uh, questioning him, saying that is it really necessary? But yeah. obviously they were fighting with some. Because uh, uh, there were that, like two laps to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I I really don't know why. It's not like they were saving mileage or something for the engine. <laughs> Oh. Um, but anyway, um, shall we get into the FIA now and the brilliant decisions that yeah, they have made? Let's. Uh, I think through the course of the season, the FIA has been um, criticized, uh, and the best way I can put it is they've been inconsistent in implementing and following their own rules. Uh, and I think uh, even like in Saudi Arabia, I was. Uh, hesitant to probably put the blame on Michael Massey and you know with his negotiating between the teams etc etc I think the FIA need to have like a clear stance on where they stand right whether it's to allow racing or to ensure safety or to implement the rules I don't think uh, they can switch around between these three things. Yeah, what they are prioritizing on yeah. which weekend. Yeah, right. I, I, I don't think that works. I don't think F1 works like that. And very clearly in Saudi Arabia, they prioritized safety. Right. With the, uh, uh, the multiple red, red flags and the multiple VSCs, etc. And that hampered Verstappen, right. It helped Hamilton, it hampered Verstappen, however you want to put it. In the Abu Dhabi race, they very clearly favoured racing and not safety, which helped Verstappen and hampered Hamilton. So, racing and not procedure, I would say. Procedure, fair uh, enough. Okay, safety, uh, perhaps the uh, track was clear. Clear in that, in that sense. sense, yeah. But but at the end of the day, procedures exist for a reason, right? Uh, so, and I don't think uh, Michael Massey uh, coming on the radio. Rather, uh, Christian Horner going on the radio and like asking Michael Massey, like, what are you doing? Like, why have you called a safety car? And he was stammering, saying, just, just give me a minute. Like, just, just give me a minute. He should have an answer ready, saying, yes, we called a safety car for this, this, this reason. We've called a yellow flag for this, this, this reason. That clarity doesn't seem to exist from his end. And maybe it's just the pressure of that radio being broadcast. I just feel like there's been no clarity, no consistency and not them not following their own procedures. That's probably my rant for the FIA and Michael Massey and I 100% agree with everybody that says Michael Massey needs to go. What are your thoughts on this? So uh, what a lot of people are also asking is that will the inconsistency sort of go away? in the decision making if there is a fixed FIA panel that doesn't change from race to race. So when you say fixed panel you mean the stewards. stewards. Right. So that is one part of it in terms of the penalties, in terms of the appeals, in terms of procedures being followed so on and so forth. That also has its pros and cons because then you're going to turn around and be like this group is biased towards X, Y and so on and so forth. Yeah. But could that be an answer? Potentially. Uh, does Michael Massey have to go? Maybe, but I think FIA team radio has to go. I I can see that, yeah. I, I don't uh, think it's going to be there next season. Genuinely, I think it's too much pressure on the FIA. And I think it's, it's uh, it, it just brings about media scrutiny that's not required, I think. Like it should, media scrutiny should definitely be there on the teams. But 
it should not be that like the FIA should not be answerable to the media on how they do things and why they do things. I think they should because the FIA can't turn around and be like, "Huh, today we are doing this and tomorrow we're doing that." Uh, so in that sense, they most certainly should be answerable to the media. But I, I mean, it's a sport, yeah. We don't want to sit and see. Okay, so and so said this. So and so said this. Is this? I mean, is this like page three gossip, <laughs> or is it a sport? Yeah. I know what you're saying. Um, um, so I don't want to see every single call between Toto and then Michael Massey and then him saying, "Okay, I can only press so many buttons at a time," and and just. So I think more than anything else, the FIA is going to make the uh, team radio go away because they don't want to broadcast their own in- incompetence. Yeah, I mean, for whatever reason, right? E- even if that's the end, that ends up being the reason why they don't have it. I think it'll be better for the sport personally if there's no FIA team radio. Uh, I think uh, the and this is a key point that decided this championship, right? Communication seems to be a huge problem, whether it's communicating in time to all the teams, or whether it's Michael Massey himself being confused as to what to communicate because. Very clearly, he came out and said that lapped cars won't be allowed to overtake. And then Christian Horner called him and asked him why, or and, like someone from Red Bull. And he didn't have an answer. And 30 seconds later, he said, okay, miraculously, the five lapped cars between only the five only the yeah. five lapped cars between Verstappen and Hamilton were allowed to overtake. So, do you think uh, Red Bull has a valid argument when they say that? The ruling states that not all cars need to be like unlapped. Actually, it doesn't say that. It says any lapped car. Yeah. Uh, it does. It does not say not all. It doesn't say all lapped cars. Neither does it say not all. Yeah. It just says any lapped car. So I don't know. I mean, if if, uh, if you really have to interpret the meaning of any lapped cars, um, if you were waiting in line. Um, to get something and somebody came up and said anybody who's not got it get up and follow me and you hadn't got it would you get up and follow the person or not i mean are you daft that you wouldn't that's my interpretation of any i think that's that's most normal people's yeah. interpretation so, of it right at the end of the day if the regulation says any lapped cars must be unlapped yeah uh, were there lapped cars in behind verstappen and in front of science that said nee, we don't want it it's okay you carry on we are good yeah. is there a choice then i mean going forward uh, is it in the hands or in the decision making of the lapped car to decide do i want to unlap myself today or not if if this is the interpretation of any lapped cars then yeah my question is um, yeah, is it up to the driver and the team to decide if they want to be unlapped or not? Yeah, I get that and that's the inconsistency that I'm talking about, right? It's, it should not be the race director's discretion uh, to like tell the cars, okay, you can go, you can go, you can go, but you can't. And And I mean, there are procedures in place for a reason, right? I mean... If you're not following your own rules and procedures, what's the point of them existing, genuinely? I uh, feel like I partly disagree saying, 
with the bit saying that it can't be up to the race director's discretion it kind of has to be which is why you need somebody really sane up there in that position because you can't have a rule for every single situation that can happen in a race uh should the rule have been applied consistently yes because sunoda and science were fighting for third place in the race so if if michael massey's point of view is toto it's a motor race uh which is what he uh Ended said saying, to toto right? yeah, yeah. uh then uh, I- i'm sorry was it not a motor race between uh, um science and uh, sunoda was it not a motor race for the rest of the field if the fi's point of view is that yeah we didn't want to end the championship under a yellow flag we wanted these two title rivals to like battle it out hold a race for just them and tell everybody else that can create a red flag and a yellow flag and a virtual safety car to just not get on track no teammates no yellow flags no red flags put these two on a track and tell them to go for it if that's your idea of motor racing between the two championship rivals because you don't want the race decided by a yellow flag So if you don't want the race decided by a yellow flag or safety car and miscommunication is possible and it clearly was right then red flag the race clear out whatever you have to clear out let it be a reset for everybody let, let it be pure racing then yeah. right yeah uh between the two drivers for one lap why why do this for five pseudo- laps they would have had five laps five laps to race yeah yeah but why do this pseudo uh, uh kind of thing I, which is what like really upset me and and it it really upset me that how, how could they end the season in that and, and i'm not saying it's verstappen or red bull's fault right yeah. they took ma- like huge advantage of the situation and why wouldn't they uh, why wouldn't they uh, at the end of the day he has not made a mistake all race long at least like i i think he had to go for that move in turn 1 because he knew that if he didn't do it there there was no chance and that's exactly what happened right there was no chance for the rest of the season uh, race sorry So I don't think he's put a foot wrong this race, and and I think Red Bull have tactically been brilliant this race, and it worked out for them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was it was a unsatisfying end, let's say. Yeah, I think very honestly, both uh, Max and Lewis both completely deserved to be champion, uh, and I don't want to take uh, anything away from either of them. Yeah. Um. Uh, So when you speak about the championship did both deserve it absolutely did lewis deserve to win this race without it out yeah uh, uh, no no arguments from me there this race had not been the title decider would the fia have behaved differently absolutely i think it they would have and and this is my problem with leaving stuff up to the di- discretion of the race director i get that you can't have rules and regulations for everything but be consistent be consistent at least through a, a course of a season right no matter and, and they're not supposed to look at consequences that's the key thing they're not supposed to look at consequences it's it's the incident that they're supposed to look at and treat in each incident as an isolated incident yeah anyway uh yeah this race had its many many moments um and i, I think both of us kind <laughs> of sat uh uh with our hearts in our mouth for like pretty much the entire uh race because it was just that exciting um 
who was your driver of the day kimi was voted driver of the day by 40.42.8% of the people who voted for driver yeah. of the day including the two of us including the two of us and uh, of course he deserves it for those 349 starts the one drivers championship that he's won the number of races he's uh one and and the number of times he's come close to winning championships and like things beyond his control preventing that from happening but genuinely who was your driver of the day uh, uh for this race because at the end of the day kimi did unfortunately have to end up retiring because of yeah. his like technical issues on his car uh and so did jovanazzi for that matter um Uh, and so did George Russell. Uh, ironically, all three drivers uh, not driving for their teams anymore, and you know, two two of them not being in F1 next season. Um, but yeah, who was your driver of the day? Uh, yeah, I just want to say that Kimi's DNF was uh, was beyond heartbreaking. Uh, we have been robbed of the uh, driver of the day interview um, uh, in the car uh, with Kimi. Uh, so um, I hope that there's some way to still uh, get a driver of the day interview with him. Yeah. Um, who was my uh, driver of the day? Ah, <sighs> um, I would have to say it was um, Lewis Hamilton. Okay. For me, uh, uh, I think for 57 of these 58 laps, uh, the man did not put a foot wrong. He absolutely dominated the race. Yes. I mean, genuinely. And, uh, even on um, lap fifty-eight, uh, I don't think there's anything uh, more that he could have done. Yeah. Uh, so uh, it's him, and it, it's also him um, for for just the kind of grace that he showed uh, at the end uh, of the race at the podium. Um, he, the man, has such class, such so much grace. and to everyone saying yeah but they are appealing and they are protesting uh, what do you think red bull would have done if they were in the same position they would have protested too and i just want to contrast this to last weekend when max walked off the podium yeah um uh you know didn't participate in the champagne uh, uh, pseudo champagne uh, um uh, and just sort of just left uh, uh and he he said some arbitrary thing about how you know he left because it wasn't champagne and like the only question in my mind was so if you win next week are you going to leave the podium as well because there isn't champagne in uh, abu dhabi either but just the grace that this man has to be able to rein in your emotions your heartbreak and you know come and speak and uh congratulate your rival go up to him uh and uh, yeah just be there for the entire thing what class i'm sure that comes with age and experience uh, and the fact that he's probably um lost as much as he's uh, probably not as much as he's won but he's lost also uh, in the past and yeah. and uh, he's he's been a part of winning when there's been heartbreak you know as the massa season yeah. comes to mind i think was, it was uh, latifi is latifi uh, 2021's glock yeah right right so um i i get what you're trying to say but i think that that does come with experience and i feel like uh it's unfair to perhaps um lambast max in that sense for last uh the last race which was saudi arabia because at the end of the day like you said he's 24 this is the first time he's fighting in such a close championship 
But do you really think he'll mellow now that he's won a championship? No, that's a different point <laughs> altogether. I really don't think he's going to mellow uh, because I think that's just uh, um, I think that's just how he is. And uh, should he change? Is he going to change? So I don't think so. It's not really an age thing. Yeah, probably, but um, I hope he does mellow in some sense and like is a little more graceful in defeat. But what was your moment of the race? Mine, as I mentioned, was those lap 21, 20, 2021 uh, moves between uh, Hamilton and Perez and Perez defending for all he was worth. I think those few corners were brilliant for everybody to watch, right? And it was such clean racing and after a long time see such clean close racing uh, fighting on track um if um, uh, you know it was a phenomenal race um and um, that is that is what this sport is about but for me the one moment that will stay with me um when i look back on this this title fight and this uh, this race and this championship it's uh, got to be uh, Hamilton's father, Anthony, uh, talking to him uh, uh, just before post, the podium, yeah. post, post, the, post the race, post the result, and just holding him uh, close uh, to him and, you know, saying whatever it was that he said to give his son the strength and the courage to come up there and be uh, so gracious and so strong. And... Um, just the fact that yeah you can be a seven-time world champion but you know you still need a parent yeah and you um, need that uh... and that values are sort of uh, I mean you learn what you see right because Anthony did go over to Max and his father and congratulate them uh, so yeah th- that for me is what I take away from uh, this weekend most most of all yeah, I think that was a brilliant, brilliant gesture from both Hamilton and his father going up to both Max and his father and congratulating them and yeah, there's no doubt about it. He has been extremely, extremely gracious in defeat. Um, speaking of um, the protest, right, um, Mercedes is protesting two things. One, that um, Max was uh, marginally ahead of Lewis at one point Behind under the, the safety, safety car. car. Yeah. And um, the other that um, procedures weren't followed. I um, get that they have to protest. Anybody in their position would. And we most certainly need that clarity going forward in this sport. Um, But they can't possibly think that this result is going to be overturned, right? The FIA are not going to uncrown Max. To only for Lewis to win his eighth championship. That that's not how the stories are written. They cannot like forget anything else. They cannot afford to lose the millions of new fans that have come into the sport because of Max. Uh so I get what you're saying. Uh I think it was uh Michael Schumacher and Jacques Villeneuve when they were fighting for the drivers' championship. And a similar sort of thing happened in the last race where uh, subsequently in after hearings Schumacher was stripped of his points and disqualified from the race. So yes they can do that. Will it's they? happened in the past. Will they is a question that I don't know how to answer because at the end of the day Netflix wasn't around at that time. 
the sheer uh, media scrutiny probably wasn't around at that time and like you said millions and millions of new fans probably weren't around back then in terms of like uh, that's uh, uh, the sport has changed hands the ownership of the sport has changed hands uh, the management of the sport has changed and and going into a season where uh, there are so many rule changes in the next season um, they yes i to your point they probably won't want to lose the number of followers that they've got now with max but can they and is there precedent for them uh, deciding the championship in that sense yes there is yeah but in that case it was schumacher fault here it's the fia at fault so can they really overturn a result and punish max for a mistake he didn't even make what was he supposed to do sitting in the car tell the fia race director boss these are your rules no right so i mean at the end of the day if the race director says do this and he's got the opportunity to overtake he's going to he's on fresher tires he's on softs um so in that sense it's not like max made a mistake so can they really strip him of a championship when he's not made a mistake when they've made the mistake so the question then really is who is policing the fia right i mean of course you have an appeal that mercedes has made uh to the court of sporting conduct if i'm not mistaken and yeah what are they going to do to the fia right because at the end of the day we do need that clarity we need we do need that clarification as to what exactly is the procedure and what is the procedure to be followed yes max didn't make a mistake and he should not be stripped of the title and a title should not be decided in the courts in this manner i 100% agree with that I 100% agree that both type uh, both drivers did deserve uh to win the drivers championship. I mean they went into the last race on equal points. So of course both did deserve to win it. I don't know how this plays out, right? I I I don't know what the solution is, but I do know that like you said we do need clarity. We do need um we do need some kind of answers into as to how this is going to not happen right what are the consequences of this decision and what like how does that play out but yeah before we round up and close up this podcast we should talk about the other teams and how they've actually finished in this championship right ferrari sealed p3 p3 very but much so sainz has uh, outscored uh, charles which i'm beyond delighted about yeah i'm so miserable about that with ferrari uh i think ferrari pulled out a classic ferrari of uh snatching defeat from the jaws of victory when it came to charles uh by like uh uh you know messing up the strategy as they usually do i don't think there was any need to pit him uh, again. again when the safety car came out and yeah they wanted to try something different but i don't think they had the pace to fight Here's that right what i'll also say right um ferrari messed up the strategy show sure, but does just does charles have the experience to sort of be telling them no uh if you remember if you look back to hungary um you know the race where like bottas and stroll took out like half the uh field field uh signs was dictating strategy on the radio to ferrari yeah. saying no don't make me stop just yet look at what hamilton's doing yeah. we will do him he is going to catch up with me so 
I think there's also that he comes in with so much experience having been a part of three other teams. Yeah. Um and I think he knows uh what he wants and how to go about getting it. So could Charles potentially have said no don't pit me. I think that's the most ridiculous idea you've had. Yeah. Perhaps. But I don't think Charles was getting anywhere in this race anyway. So perhaps he he felt that okay getting on fresher tires may actually help him but yeah that that pace wasn't there uh, in the ferrari car and, and and looking further downfield i mean at one point in the season alfatori and alpine were neck and neck right fighting for that 5 and 6 slot and alpine seemed to have really ended the season strongly and uh, finished in fifth place yeah. uh, quite quite uh, Comfortably at the end, right? McLaren finished uh, fourth with yeah. Lando losing his uh, P5 spot to a Ferrari, not that of uh, Charles, but that of uh, Carlos's. Charles. He's had, um, I think, such bad luck in the last couple of uh, races. He had a puncture uh, in Qatar, and then he's had another puncture yeah. this time round. But um, uh, Lando and Carlos are the only two drivers to have 20-point finishes. This season, out of twenty-two races, I they have finished twenty races in the points, a record only held by Lewis Hamilton. I didn't know that. That's a that's a really yeah. interesting statistic. Yeah. Uh, that I'm glad you brought up. Yeah. No. Um, so if Ferrari can get over its romantic dream of uh, winning the championship with Charles, I think they'll realize that they have a shot of winning it with Sainz. Even though he is currently the driver that has gone the most, ha- has the most number of points without ever having won a race. I think uh, science has kind of been like a dark horse this season and he's been one of the most underrated drivers, particularly by his own team, which is a little uh, sad if you think about it. But yeah, I think going forward, he's made his position really clear in the team, right? And he's done it on track without uh, uh, any compromises. And I don't think Ferrari can deny that any longer um, but yeah just to kind of round up uh, the the remaining teams um, Williams did end up finishing P8 even though both cars DNF'd yeah. uh, they were aided in the fact that uh, both the Alphas uh, also DNF'd so that's a huge boost for them um, and yeah I think Alpha Tori and uh, Alpha Romeo both seem to have their work cut out for next season and uh, uh, of course, Haas didn't develop their car and they finished last and that was, I think, the most expected. By design, yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, Supriti, we don't have a race to look forward to, so I can't even ask you like about predictions too early for next season. But what I will ask is, how would you sum up this season in a couple of lines or a couple of sentences? So I said it at the beginning of this year that I think uh, Max will take the drivers and Mercedes will take the constructors title Um, and uh, that has sort of been um, likely for most of this season. It's been a season that's had the closest racing and uh, yeah with the changes I mean all I can say about the season is I can't wait for the next one. So, can we get to March uh, 22 already with with the new regulations, with closer racing and uh, with hopefully Ferrari and McLaren up there in the mix and George Russell. Um, And uh, yeah, can we get to the good part? 
if i had to sum up the season it would simply be the most exciting season that of f1 and of racing that i have ever watched i think that's my summary of the entire season so far and yes looking forward to the next season as well and the, the challenges that that's going to bring uh thanks so much for listening uh and tuning in guys that's it from us for this particular episode we will see you really soon in the next one and cheers i hope you have a great night